anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcast and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cast. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. When you say welcome, I'm like, thank you for having me at L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Appreciate it, dude. Yeah, man. Listen, if you're listening, then welcome. Uh, we do always mention our acronym up front because if you would like to subscribe and watch.
community I've called home for 30 years is a rural community that's known fire and flood and it's mostly clustered around a bay now the bay used to run a little bit further south but it's silted up pretty much in most of its pasture land so running along the south side of it is a levee with a road on it. And on the south side of the levee road is the home of a family called Love. And every once in a while, the, the water tries to reclaim that part of the bay and runs over the levee and floods. And even though over the years, the Love family has put their house up on posts. Sometimes they still have to jump on a rowboat and row away to dry terra firma. Regrettably also, the, the rising waters also seem to be a little bit too much like the rising costs of housing. Land and homes have gotten to a point where most people can't afford them. And unfortunately, I've had to watch uh, too many of my friends move away from the area because they couldn't afford to buy a home or rent anymore. So this is the Levy Road song. Oh, the water on the Levy Road, it rode. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Rose so high it put a tear in my eye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Inch by inch, the water rises slow. Inch by inch, the water rises slow. Inch by inch it rises slow. Me and my family gotta pack up and go. The water on a levee road it rose. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. So much came that the levee gave. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose.
The water rises like the price of land. The water rises like the price of land. We cannot afford to rent or buy. We gotta tell all our neighbors goodbye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Water rose from below and the water fell from above. Water rose from below and water fell from above. Water rose from below, water fell from above. Could not drown out the house of love. Oh, the water on a levee road, it rose. The water rises like the price of land. The water rises like the price of land. We cannot afford to rent or buy. We're gonna have to tell our neighbors goodbye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. And, uh, Good morning, everybody. This is the B, and you're listening to Labor and Love on Mutiny Radio every Saturday morning from 10 to 12. We work the morning shift with you. Share with you labor news, opinion, history, and music of social significance. Today is pretty much going to be dedicated to the memory of my brother Robert Charles Morgan, a.k.a. Charlie, who passed away about 10 days ago and who was a DJ in Marin County where he lived in West Marin, Point Ray Station, and as well as a musician, that last one you heard was his Really nice slide guitar work on that one. The Water on the Levee Road. And uh, we'll have some more of his from his uh, album, Chasmo Now. Before the Water on the Levee Road. <laughs> we had uh, Whitney Houston. Song I Will Always Love You from the movie The Bodyguard. Scenes uh, in that video from her work with Kevin Costner. I'll always love you. We will always love you, Charlie. And before that, the saddest song I know. I'm aware of the version by Elmore James, but this is the beautiful, haunting, masterful version by Gary B. Sky is crying. Sky is crying. Tears go down the street. Okay, well, this is Labor and Love, and we're coming at you from 2781 21st Street, corner of Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco, and Mero Mero. And like I say, we're here every Saturday morning from but that's not half of what goes on here. 
mean, radio is, in reality, community heart center. Celebrate harmony. Video, radio, art, graphical. Radio is the capital and the ground comedy center. Alaska, you can come to me for a nominal charge. Sit in and listen to up and coming young comedians, older ones too doing their routine and getting criticized, positive criticism as well as criticism how you could do it better. A live stream. Come on down to Mutiny and find your voice. Or come on down to Mutiny and donate to the art scene. You're always welcome. All right, well, let's see what we got for you today. Like I said, it's mostly going to be a memorial for uh, Charlie Morgan. We'll play some more in Hastings, too. We've gotten several uh, suggestions, requests for the music that might help people understand more of who Charlie was and Charlie is. Um, Anthony Luther Vandross, Violetta Hathaway, Sting, Hiroshima bombing, All the fuss uh, and bother of Charlie's funeral and throwing out his apartment. They slipped by the true day of the dead. What they were. Nineteen forty-five, a United States Army Air Force B twenty-nine dropped a 10,000-pound plutonium bomb nicknamed Fat Man over the city of Nagasaki, Japan, three days after Hiroshima. Japan surrendered less than a week later, bringing to an end World War II. The decision by President Harry Truman to use the atomic bomb has been debated ever since. So how does it look three-quarters of a century later, especially from the vantage point of someone who was there on the ground? Harry Smith has our Sunday Spotlight. July 16, 1945, of that first successful detonation of a nuclear weapon in New Mexico, Robert Oppenheimer, the head of the Los Alamos Laboratory, reacted this way. Line from the Hindu scriptures, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. Less than a month later, the Enola Gay drops an A-bomb above Hiroshima. It explodes 2,000 feet above the Earth. Tens of thousands died instantly. We shall completely destroy Japan's power to make war. 
Three days later, Nagasaki is the target, with a similar result. American Howard Kakita, then seven years old, had been standing on the roof at his grandparents' home in Hiroshima. His grandmother insisted he come down. If we stayed on that roof when the bomb exploded, we would have been burned to a crisp. This is the after the A-bomb. Howard says one way to understand the horror of that day is to look at the numbers of American lives lost thus far to COVID-19. That took eight months. That one primitive bomb in Hiroshima killed the same number of people in a very fraction of a second. Soviet Union had a nuclear weapon. The arms race was on. Baby boomers were taught to do this. What was sort of ludicrous, as you will recall, we all had drills to hide under our desks. Ambassador Wendy Sherman negotiated nuclear control issues with both North Korea and Iran. Hiroshima and Nagasaki are the only times in history that nuclear weapons have been used. What did the world learn from that? The world learned that nuclear weapons should only be a deterrence, not a war-fighting weapon. Now it appears that many countries are considering that there might come a time when they would use a nuclear weapon. While the U.S. and Russian stockpiles are shadows of their former selves, North Korea is believed to have 20 or more nukes. Iran looks to be inching its way toward a nuclear weapon. Do you think there's enough tension in the world in certain places that someone would make a purposefully wrong decision and use a nuclear weapon? I hope not, Harry. I really hope not. I don't think actually there's any country that really wants a nuclear war, but I think through inadvertence or accident, you could see an escalation that might take us there. It's important, I think, that we understand the misery and terror and death that it caused. If we were to be able to put all those stories together and present it to the world with the knowledge of the mistakes, uh, I think that'll be a wonderful task to do. For Sunday Today, Harry Smith, New York. Okay, well, that was a Sunday supplement version of nuclear war. We have the women saying, well, it needs to be a deterrent. Uh, I'm always reminded of Albert Einstein, who, by the way, was a scientist involved in the development of Einstein said you cannot, cannot assume your mind to care for events as a deterrent? How long will it be before deterrent to a weapon? Gun. Gun, you can use it. Guns are made for defense. Gun, you can use it. 
August 6th and August 8th. Talk about the dead and having a debate on thousand people in one second. Anyway, to read a little thing by Prince Ferlinghetti. Ferlinghetti, of course, is the poet of poet laureate what was called the was the owner of a uh, bookstore named Bookstore Company, City Lights. This is Ferlinghetti's take what happened right about now. Pity the nation. Pity the nation whose people are sheep, shepherds and Pity the nation. Leaders are liars. Sages are silent. Bigots. Pity the nation. Raises not its voice except to praise conquerors. Claim the bully as hero and attempt to rule the world by force. Knows no other language but its own, no other culture but its own. Less money, sleeps the sleep of the too well fed. Pity the nation. Oh, pity them by their ignorance. Freedom should be blushing. Country tears of thee. Um, what can you say? more from Charlie Morgan. This is a song he wrote when he was in uh, Asia. A couple of times he and uh, his good friend Michael Harrington <coughs> put aside their lives here in Northern California and decided to go around the world. 
took a little money with them, but uh, depended on working, finding odd jobs as they went. Um, Charlie did that twice. This song that he wrote in 1977 is certainly, certainly operative today in California. In New Zealand I read a magazine Something nasty crossed my eye The earth that fed me in California Was turning cracked and dry New Zealand ferns are always green It rains more there than it should I looked to the cloud that was raining on me And said, go where you can do some good Cloud stop crying and wasting time And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden. Nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry, I said to the Dipper by name. Reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. Don't want to see her die. People and the animals like to gather where water flows. A beer, some tea, or a water hole. It's there where something grows. And remember the music water makes, the rainy pool and the circle dance. The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall, the laughing creek that feeds the plants. Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned. Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn. Can't waste away the oceans, water, air, or land. 
If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand. So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Something told me it was over. When I saw you and him talking, something deep in my soul said, Cry, boy. I saw you in the same guy walking down. I would rather go blind, child. Go blind. Than to see you walk away from me. your kiss and your warm embrace now darling 
But the reflection of the glass I held to my lips now burns. Reveal the tears I had on my face.
Was um, I'd rather go blind, of course. Great Ed and James. Before that, we had Charlie and Megan and Tijuana, California Sprouts. Lots of besides being a musician, he was a programmer at KWR station. The show was called Musical Verite. Other was Greek.
Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me dio dos luceros y cuando los abro, perfecto distingo lo negro del blanco y en el alto cielo su fondo estrellado. En las multitudes el hombre que yo amo. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto. Me ha dado el oído que en todo su ancho graba noche y día grillos y canarios martillos, turbinas, ladridos chubasco y la voz tan tierna de mi bien amado gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado el sonido y el abecedario con la palabra que pienso y declaro Padre amigo hermano y luz alumbrando la ruta del alma del que estoy amando Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado la marcha de mis pies cansados, con ellos anduve ciudades y y así desierto, montaña y llano y la casa tuya, tu calle y tu patio gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me dio el corazón Quita su marco cuando miro el fruto del cerebro humano 
Cuando miro el bueno tan lejos del malo, cuando miro el fondo de tus ojos claro, gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, dado la Así yo distingo, dicha de quebranto, los dos materiales que forman mi canto y el canto de ustedes que es el mismo canto y el canto de todos que es mi propio canto. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto. That was a song that uh, Charlie left. Gracias a la vida. Thanks to life that has given so much. Before that we had Nancy Siva, Labrio, Labrio is a place in Greece. Well, one, of course, a uh, big strike at Frito Lay. Very bitter, bitter thing. Had workers for hours get out the Potato chips. Things like this. You know, members of the Frito Lay to have approved a new contract. Will return to work Monday and strike at the Members of local 
guaranteed work is one day off and half of his 500 of the employees presented by the union strike on July 5th, claiming toxic work environment, forced overtime, lack of by severe staffing Carolyn Fisher, spokesman for PepsiCo, said the contract allows the company to bid its entire facility parts of the feel very strongly that if we can reset the facility, we will address a lot of the staffing and overtime issues said. We need schedules that are more desirable, which will You couldn't buy Frito-Lay like it said it. Labor and love raised ago there was a strike Amazon facility Board official now says that, that Amazon is expecting to look at serve when this country, this company went into this organization, they used every dirty trick they could. Representative recommendation by National Labor Relations Board hearing on Mr. Myers has yet to be Whole retail, wholesale, and department store unions led the unionization drive at the Bessie's warehouse. Said that the official concluded that Amazon Amazon violated labor law. Second, already vowed to appeal to ensure that the results of the first election now. Amazon, of course, is uh, CEO is Jeff Bezos. Twenty billion dollars. Just recently got off a little trip to outer space. 
back gracious enough. Let's say that again. Thank the customers and the workers that are so rich. Most of the two-month election, mail ballots trickled in each day to the National Labor Relations Board, a few dozen at a time. But all of a sudden, on February 12, a huge batch of 251 ballots arrived at the NLRB office in Birmingham. The pace of incoming ballots went back to normal. But then, it happened again. On February 17, according to people with knowledge of the election, another huge cluster of ballots appeared at the NLRB. 250 total in one day. Sources say these dumps of ballots were overwhelmingly no votes. You can't see what is going on with them. The answer appears to be a serious attempt by amateurs to manipulate the results of the previous election. So serious that it appears very likely that the National Labor Relations Board will return the results. In that event, should the Retail Workers Union demand it, the NLRB could call for the election. Why did so many no votes, roughly 40% of all votes cast, suddenly appear on the February? According to the RWDSU, the only plausible explanation for the vote down is that they were the ballots collected by the mail ballot and got illegally installed in the middle of the night. On the second night uh, after ballots went out in the mail, we started getting calls from workers that said, like, oh my God, they put this box up here and telling everybody to put their ballots in it and we're scared we don't want to put our ballots in there like who has the keys to the box let's not have them more perfect union documents about the mail for no apparent reason check what exactly but the documents show that demonstrate that the ballot box was installed as quickly as possible the documents show someone physically manipulated the box to allow for mass election you can imagine that that can open that up to a lot of coercion of intimidation on the part of the employer compelling or forcing employees to come and use the ballot box um, that they've installed at their this mailbox which amazon installed in violation of explicit guidance from the federal government is key to understand how amazon legally coerced workers to manipulate the results of the election we received reports of intimidation coercion We've seen communications where they're, they've essentially threatened that there would be a layoff because of the union. So that, that's what would be considered a hallmark violation of the act. The union election was set to begin on February 8th, but Amazon had been hard at work for weeks prior to that, putting in place a systemic, coordinated effort to engineer the outcome it wanted. Amazon hired a union-busting consulting firm labor information services create classes that workers were forced to attend workers were subjected to mandatory anti-union meetings sometimes two to three times per week so the entire month of january you went to one every week some people went to more than one a week um they say stuff to you like everything's on the table when you negotiate with the union we could take everything away you know you could lose your pay your benefits some of those who shared with me on um, 
uh, breaks is that they're afraid because Amazon told them in the meeting, uh, the union buster said that if you get the union, then uh, your, your benefits will be taken away. And so some of the younger people are kind of confused of and have been told that the union is a bad thing. When workers asked pro-union questions, managers came back to scan their badges in an apparent effort to document pro-union workers. As I asked like three questions for, to make them tell the truth. Yeah. When I got back to work, uh, the PA came to me. I saw her pass everybody and she came to me and she said, let me see your badge. She said, because when, when they scanned it in the class, yours didn't go through. So she scanned my badge and I watched her. She never scanned anybody else's badge because I was the one that brought out the question that would make them tell the truth about the raises or the union dues and stuff like that. When the election began, the classes were mandated by law to end, but Amazon transitioned to a new phase of its campaign. It compelled Jefferson County to change the traffic light signals outside the Bessemer warehouse to rob the union of one of its most effective messaging tactics speaking to workers at red lights as they headed into the office warehouse. Meanwhile, Amazon pummeled workers with anti-union messaging via text messages, Twitch ads, and notes on bathroom stalls and break rooms. Do it without dues, Amazon propaganda explained. Every time we go to the bathroom in, the, in your stall, in the men bathroom, as soon as you go to the stall, you got an anti-union flyer right there in front of you. You got, you got flyers in the break room. You got when you walking in and walking out, you got big banners saying early vote, vote no. When the election began on February 8th, Amazon deployed a concerted misinformation campaign targeted at its employees. We've seen Amazon try to confuse people by telling them they needed to vote by March 1st, even though the deadline was March 29th. The reason for that was to try to get people to cast their ballots right after the captive audience meetings and before they've had an opportunity to engage with the union. Amazon felt if workers could be forced to vote quickly, they were likely to vote no. And once they voted no, they were not allowed to go back and change their vote. That's where the mailbox strategy came into play. If Amazon wanted workers to vote early, they needed a way to coerce and compel them to submit their ballots. Not only have I never seen a company install or have a mailbox installed on their property for purposes of the mail ballot election, I've never even heard of a company asking for such a thing. Amazon initially asked the National Labor Relations Board if they could install a ballot drop box in the warehouse. The request was denied. When the request was denied, um, uh, went ahead and just disregarded what the board had said to them and installed it themselves. The first time I've, I've seen it. And in fact, when I've talked to some of my management side friends on the other side, they're all flabbergasted by what really is pretty audacious on the part of Amazon. On the second night of the vote, February 9th, the mailbox suddenly appeared, just steps from the entrance to the warehouse. For workers, it's, it's twofold. It's number one, if I'm a pro-union supporter and I'm putting my ballot in this box, is Amazon going to know that? Are they going to track it? Are they going to steal it? What's going to happen to my ballot once it gets here? And for those that maybe necessarily wouldn't have voted, maybe they were just kind of impartial to the idea, they want to support their co-workers, but they also don't know a lot about the union. But now they've got this manager that's saying, hey, I've noticed you haven't voted yet. You didn't bring your ballot to the box. You should bring it tomorrow. Bring it and put it in the box. The reason why you wouldn't want to have um, effectively have a polling place where 
the employer at the employer's facility without the supervision of the board is that the employer's supervisors will go around to, to these employees and say, you need to bring your ballot in, you, know, you need to make sure you vote, and you'll have employees following their supervisor's instructions, bringing in their ballots to work, which they're not supposed to do, and feeling the pressure that they have to cast a ballot uh, for the employer. Uh, and that's what, that's what the, the mailbox being installed in the employer's facility used for the purpose of casting ballots creates this pressure on employees. As the NLRB counted votes, Amazon deployed the last phase of its anti-union strategy. It challenged hundreds of ballots, specific ballots, ballots that were cast after March 1. Amazon was well aware that by March 1, the tide had swung in the union's favor in a major way. And there should be no intimidation, no coercion, no threats, no anti-union propaganda. Knowing that many of the post-March 1 votes were likely yes votes for the union, Amazon's lawyers aggressively challenged them. Amazon won by engaging in exactly the kind of coercion and intimidation that President Biden warned of. Under Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act, employees are guaranteed the right to decide the question of whether they want to organize or not in an environment free of coercion and intimidation. We haven't heard the last from the courageous workers who took on Goliath. If the NLRB grants a new election, they'll be back, and it's likely they will have the votes to win. was a uh, feature about the election at Bessemer, Alabama. How Amazon defeated rivals. Did it by taking Given those two facts, can we simply Charlie Morgan?
singing this song to you space or time I love you for my life you're a friend of mine and when my life is over remember 
together We were alone and I was singing this song to you We were alone and I was singing this song to you We were alone and I was singing this song The other day I was in the mood for some energy in the form of food and greeting the owner as I entered the store, I didn't realize what I was in for. Test tube food. <laughs> as I walked down the aisle from the shelves, the packages all tried to sell themselves. I'm 10 cents off. Buy me you. I got pink and purple hues. Howard Hughes, Test Tube Blues. You'll like me, honey, said some salad oil. The figure of my bottle will never spoil. And on my back, there's an offer label for a CD player for your kitchen table. Sorry, sister. You look a little bit too oil slicky for me. This food's fun, it'll get your girls, and the coupon gets your flag that unfurls to the beat of the Spangled Banner song. You better try it now, the offer won't last long. Homeland Security food, you eat it, and it does surveillance inside you the rest of your life. I found out where the produce were, and I bebopped on over there. I said they chemical rated this food with bombs like the plants and the people in Vietnam. Agent Oranges. I held a tomato in my hand. It was red but hard, you understand. Tomato, I said, this ain't your natural beauty. You're a drugged up money making cutie. Just a pretty face. Folks that drew your love, only wealth, they don't give a damn about our health. Shut up and package without love. Tomato, you weren't grown up, you were shoved. Your upbringing's gonna bring me down. Still standing in the produce section of a supermarket, surrounded by people uh, speaking to a tomato. By eating you, I'm gonna bum trip, kid. You done more drugs than I ever did. We're victims of a capitalistic raid and the folks that picked you were underpaid. Viva Cesar Chavez!
cash register ring awakened me and it brought me out of my fantasy. And I went and I spoke to the counter cat and I told him just where I was at, here and now. Wow. Wow. I said, Lord knows I got a rumbling gut and my stomach thinks my throat's been cut. But I ain't about to have my insides glued by this poison I call test tube food. You eat it. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, there's plenty of things here you want me to swallow, but my body and soul would still be hollow. Besides, I sing off-key madrigals if I ate a food with 17 syllables. Easier to swallow a scrabble board. Methyl oxide, potassium methyl, was that their regular ethyl? There's Panama red and there's methyl red, and one will leave you tired and the other one dead, take your pick. Now through corporate proclivities, some food has radioactivity. Glowing proof that yours can be a radiant nuclear family. You don't even have to cook it either. You just open the can on the counter and it has a meltdown. So I went to a place where the food was fast serving clone cows raised on pasture land rainforest once. I think I'd rather have some slow food for lunch. But not a corporate burger. It could have come from a septic company merger and it ain't no fun to eat what's in between those buns. Now I ain't quite ready to live just on the rays of the sun like I know some Indian yogis have done. But you are what you eat and how strange you see to go by the name of MSG. Okay, Charlie Morgan there, the late. Food supply. <clears throat> Talking about food, food blues. Certainly heard this with a travel Labor history, running short on time here. Before that was uh, Donnie Nelson. Beautiful. Okay, labor history. Miners rebel against.
I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1892. That was the day miners in Tracy City, Tennessee, rebelled against the state's convict lease system. Miners had been forced to work side by side with convict labor. The convicts, overwhelmingly African American, were forced to live in deplorable stockade conditions. Their presence in the mines served to minimize paid labor, keep wages low, and stunt union organizing throughout the state. Miners demanded that Tennessee Coal, Iron, and Railroad give them the same hours of work as the convicts. When they refused, the miners marched on the stockades where the convicts were housed. They released the convicts and marched them onto trains bound for Nashville, burning the stockades to the ground. The revolt at Tracy City followed armed uprisings of thousands of miners the previous year in nearby Bryceville and Coal Creek. Here, it is thought that the Knights of Labor leaders led miners to surround stockades, disarm guards, and release convicts onto Knoxville-bound trains over the course of several days. By August of 1892, hundreds of miners would confront state forces in armed shootouts across Grundy, Marion, and Anderson counties, releasing convicts when they could onto trains bound for Nashville. Miners were eventually arrested and convicted, but these revolts would lead the Tennessee General Assembly to end its convict lease system four years later, making them one of the first southern states to do so. Well, they brought in the entire state militia. Heavy artillery and Gatlin guns. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Labor History in 2. The newspapers said they won a great victory. Handed out medals for their bravery. They got the convicts out of the mine. I'm Rick Smith. And this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1955. That was the day Teamsters organizer, 28-year-old William Grammy, was kidnapped and beaten. Grammy had arrived in Sebastopol, California, to help organize about 350 workers in local canneries, drying plants, and fruit sheds. The Teamsters had been on campaign footing for months in an attempt to win union recognition, higher wages, better working conditions, and benefits. They had lost a union representation election the previous fall after Sebastopol apple growers moved quickly to lay off union supporters. By January, tannery workers at Oscar Hall & Sons voted for union representation. The workers at Barlow Company would vote against the union just two months later. But by early August, the strike wave hit. Workers walked off the job at the Sebastopol Cooperative Cannery. More at seven other area canneries joined them on strike in the days that followed. Grammy would later testify that he had heard reports weeks earlier of a grower threatening to have him killed within three hours should any strike actually take place. During the strike that would ultimately prove victorious, three men kidnapped Grammy outside the Union's Hall. He was driven along a rural road, tied to a pole, gagged, and beaten with a bicycle chain. Left for dead, he was found the next day and hospitalized immediately. But the Union and the strikers remained undeterred. Before the strike was over, scab trucks attempting to haul apples to market were vandalized and burned, and scab drivers were beaten. Eight months later, the apple industry finally came to the negotiating table. By May of 1956, apple growers signed with the Teamsters. 
Labor History in Two, brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. Hey, that's some local labor history, labor history about Sebastopol, California, as well as that revolt. I mean, when miners were letting prisoners out of jail, the only word for that is a revolt. Never heard anything about it, of course. Probably uh, wouldn't have heard about it unless you listen to Labor and Love Radio. <laughs> okay, we have our campus correspondent. Good morning, Vita. Morning. Um, thank you for calling in. I certainly appreciate it. And um, how's everything going? Everything is going well. Okay. How's everything it's going up? Well. How's the weather up in Davis? Well, I'm in Foster City. I see. But I think the weather in Davis is good. Probably. If you're asking me, I <laughs> say it's good. Okay. Um, so we're talking today, uh, we were talking today about changes, uh, things that are changing in the U.S., and it looks like um, things are actually starting to happen that might happen in a society that was more socialistic. So that word socialism scares a lot of people who don't know anything about it. What is your read on socialism and how it could help people in need in the United States and all over the world? Well, my opinion on socialism, democratic socialism, I guess, to be more exact, is that basically, I mean, technically it's a good thing. Uh, the type of socialism that's in Europe and in many other places is like actually good because it helps everybody and i think that even what we have now isn't real capitalism because it's not like actually like allocating resources it's not actually like thinning out the market for the best possible selection because a lot of things are like like adam smith said that like in capitalism and in a lot of things like if they become corrupt then they're like worse than what they were meant to be so i think even what we have now isn't real capitalism and it's not like even what we had when reagan was around wasn't real capitalism either um so i don't i can't like say oh this compared to capitalism because a lot of people who say they're capitalists lie they don't even know what the hell capitalism is and they wouldn't be able to survive in a real capitalist society like all those banks that got paid out by you know in 2008 that's not capitalism Paying, paying out <laughs> a bank that fails, that means that if if it were capitalism, they would let the market dictate and the market would say, hey, well, you guys weren't on your shit. You guys didn't do right, so you don't deserve to exist anymore. And now the new one that exists will help get rid of your old problems or your old mistakes. But our government doesn't let that happen. And they have socialism for the big companies, but they don't have socialism for individual people. Uh -huh. So that's my opinion, really, that, like, you know, you can't, oh, don't even say what we have right now is capitalism, because it's not, you know, it's not, it really isn't. Um, it's basically socialism for rich people and rich countries, because rich people, like, they get a lot of tax breaks, 
they get so many things that it's like not even fair. So um, I think democratic socialism is an answer. It would have to like be on so many levels though. And I think that in Europe, the way they have it, like high taxes and they're paying for everybody, that's good. I think like a problem in the US that people don't wanna pay high taxes is because people are so divided like they think that if they're paying taxes they're paying for someone who's on welfare or someone who's this or that which i understand like i don't really want to pay for that either you know but i get it you know so i think that in europe socialism works better sometimes or in china not china china's market socialism but like i think socialism works better in other countries sometimes because people have more of a like nationalist identity and they're all willing to like pay for each other and that's what was happening in Germany and Sweden. But now that they have like immigrants, people are having issues paying high taxes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I don't think socialism has become a thing here because we're so divided and like we have so many different people coming in all the time and people aren't gonna, you know, think that. So, I mean, like Japan before World War II, they would just lock up their whole like country they wouldn't let anyone come in or out because they wanted to preserve their culture and they didn't want like the u.s to come in and you know bring their culture you know so it is a natural thing for every group to want to preserve and maintain their own culture their own whatever and take care of themselves like it's natural you know but the way the u.s is we're so divided i don't know how socialism would work Maybe if it were more based on the idea of classes, you know, and not so much identity politics, like if it was just like, hey, here's the working class and here's the landowning class or whatever, and let's start seeing each other this way, changing that. But definitely over the years, like labor relations and everything has sort of gone down. Like now it's more normal to be like, oh, these people are clashing as opposed to the union and the boss meeting and it being like a meeting between equals and figuring something out. Like, it's much more normal to have a violent clash or for it to be an issue. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I do. So, and your point about welfare, right, we don't have, we, we get upset about welfare for individuals, but we get the choice to vote on welfare for companies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, I mean, I've seen, so many individuals literally like not push themselves and use the welfare system just like to sit on their ass their whole lives so i mean i guess i don't know like i know some people need it but i think there should be different like things you know because like i've had family members like who came straight from mexico and they were hand they were told you should have welfare We have to work, we have to do our own thing, and, like, you just can't get used to the government handing you money like that, because you, the government's not your daddy, you know, you, you're your own person, and you have to, like, have that vigor, or whatever, but I do think welfare for, like, certain people, of course, is necessary, and, I don't know, I think they should have more jobs for people, like, instead of welfare, because, like, if you're just receiving money, you're not, like, building up your confidence, or anything, or your idea of yourself, you know? I think another reason that um, some people resisted welfare, as well as that, that one you named, 
because they just didn't want to engage with the government. They didn't want to engage with the horrific bureaucracy anti-immigrant forces in the U.S. They figured it'd be yeah. much simpler to get a job and, you know, and work under the table or whatever. Or, you know, right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't really... I don't know. I mean, there's people like welfare moms, too, who just keep having children. So, like, you know, so it's like there's a lot of issues. I don't know. I mean... I just like there's welfare moms, there's the messed up uh, CEO of a company who's like not doing the right thing either. You know, right. like everywhere. So you can't just say it's poor people. It's like it's rich people. And also the thing with like pisses me off. I know we're not talking about it, but like about capitalism, you know, that if PG&E isn't working and it's not giving us good results and actually costing us a lot more money and damages why haven't we as a capitalist country said okay <laughs> let's move to the next form of technology that works for us which would be solar power you get what i'm saying solar or power. wind power or even wave power we can put hydro engines into the ocean and generate power that way you know so i'm like when it's done done like i will talk to shut up, you know, because it's not, they just want the money to go to them, and they don't want any taxes, they don't want any money, uh, their inheritance money to go anywhere. Or know? regulations, so, they don't want regulations on their businesses. Yeah. and that's not going to work, like, what, what point? So, I think that the U.S. does need a change, for sure, they need a image change, they need, like, the way they see them, we see ourselves as workers, as, like, everything like in japan they have this thing called the theory z and it's like a workers like theory about how even the like involved in the decision making process so everyone can have responsibility in the situation you know so okay more power to everybody okay well thank you very much for your opinions and your um supporting evidence always very well taken your comments yeah. In other words, not just uh, off the cuff, but it's obvious you've um, analyzed and thought about it. So I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Okay. okay. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Campus correspondent. With her view on socialism. for us to get out of here and I want to I want to go out with Charlie Morgan's uh, California Rain song. Remember this is Labor and Love Radio. I'm on down the Mutiny Radio a Neighborhood Arts Center. It's all happening down here. 2780 First Street, corner of Florida, in the heart of San Francisco. El Mero Mero.
person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else works for a dollar they didn't get. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Be a waste of time. You don't have a seat at the table, negotiating table where you work. You're on the menu. Radio, Labor Meets the Road, out in Rugged Morgan, in California. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden. Nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty. Cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. Don't want to see her die. I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry, I said to the dipper by name. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please join me here next week. Labor and Love Radio. Good week and good work. Of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship. 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, L W F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent. Five yeah, right. I'm time. so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. let's watch full-length full length. Oh, wait, Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, uh, see you next month. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible. 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. Good feeling. I told you. Can I see? Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. 
I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent vow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion 
who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution, who would rather die than fall in line to conform, who constantly challenge the norm, who greet each and every day as if just born. I say to you, I know your greatness, the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact, and in fact, I know it best when I say to you, I love you. Hello there, my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday.